like to begin by reading from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, you are our keeper. You are the shade on our right hand. And through all our sleepless nights and even those days when we have just been too tired to go on, you have been there. You have been awake and aware of our needs watching us and keeping our lives in your care. We thank you for your constant presence in our lives, but this morning we thank you most of all for your constant presence in Janice's life. We come today remembering your gifts, honoring a life that was lived in service to you and others. And we pray your blessing over our time today, that your spirit would stand near each one as comforter, and that we would know that just as we live this day in the arms of your son Jesus, Janice today also rests in his arms. And grant us your peace as we hold to our hope. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark is going to come and uh, share some thoughts and lead us in a song. And then Mike is going to come to share as well. I'm going to share a few thoughts I had about my mom. Um, Janice Nichols was my mother for 54 years. Mom was a quiet, solid, and stable woman in a family of five strong-willed males. Mom was my first Sunday school teacher in Sydney, Illinois. Mom was very creative. She wrote quite a few poems and song lyrics. At seven, I sang my first special in church with my mother. We lived in Potomac at the time. I was just seven years old, so I wasn't very tall, and she sat a chair behind the pulpit with her. She stood up there with me, and we sang Bright in the Corner. Uh, My mom raised four boys and some other strays along the way. Though not physically strong, she did whatever it took to clean, cook, clean, and clothe us. She did a great job at that. Mom was a caring, practical, no-nonsense woman who could stretch a dollar like few others I know. Though we never had much money in our family, we never felt deprived. We also never missed out on on church camps, sports, or any other activities uh, that we wanted to do. When dad and mom ministered with the different missions they were with, there would be a lot of clothes that got donated Mom would sort through the donations and pick out the ones that were no good, mend and wash the others. And I think about my mom, she helped clothe a tremendous amount of people here in Kansas and in the States and in other countries. So in that way, she was like Tabitha of the Bible. One of the most amazing phone calls I ever got was when my mom, not my dad, when my mom said we were going to Zaire. We didn't believe dad when he told us. We had to hear it from mom. Because if you know, my mom quite, was quite the homebody, so it was quite a surprise. Mom was 
was a real trooper in Zaire, having to really cook from scratch, making ketchup, mayonnaise, and everything, the ingredients to even put in stuff. And she washed clothes in a ringer washer. So she had to deal with that. And one of the most amazing things my mom did in Zaire, and we tried to figure out how much of the Swahili Bible that she had typed for the translation work, we couldn't quite, but she did quite a bit. She'd sit about every day at her typewriter, and she would type out the Swahili translation of the Bible, not even knowing the language very well, but she was a great typist and could do that. My dad had a lot of, did a lot of ministry over the years, and dad could not have ministered near as effectively without mom by his side. She supported him greatly in that. My brothers and I learned a lot about life and ministry by the example of our mother. Reflecting on mom's life has helped me realize how amazing a woman my mom truly was. She is finally home, and we praise God for that. I, with my whole family, rise up and call her blessed because she was that kind of woman. I believe much of the writing, we have a few um, authors in our family, much of the writing, and we have some musicians in our family, and much of the musical ability in our family can be attributed, I believe, to my mother. And now... I'd like everyone, uh, I'd like to lead everyone in when the roll is called on up yonder. We don't have any hymnals, I do, but it will be on the screen. Let's all stand and sing all three verses of when the roll is called up yonder because that's our hope when we get to see, see our loved ones again.
I decided I, to come up with seven different descriptions of my mom. And the first one is diligent worker. I uh, am really uh, just grateful for Thomas the other night. We were going through mom's papers. There's a lot of papers, and we're going to be going through them for a long time, looking for photos and things. And Thomas found a letter that my mom had written, three and a half pages in her little script, <laughs> to Sammy, her granddaughter. And she never sent it to her. It wasn't finished yet. And she wrote it back when Sammy was in high school. And there's so many good stuff in there. I'm going to use a lot of mom's words today. And I want to read a quote about her childhood. And I'm, I'm trying to bust, you know, just kind of support the fact that she was such a diligent worker. Some of you don't know all the things this amazing woman did. Here's what my mom said, her own words. She said, most of the jobs I did when I was your age, she's talking to Sammy as a high school girl, uh, I didn't like, but I did them because they needed to be done. I lived on a farm, and I spent my summers at work. I cut weeds out of the beans in the cornfields. I drove the tractor, and I cultivated weeds out of the beans. I mowed the yard with a push mower that didn't have a motor. I hoed weeds in the garden. I picked green beans and peas and berries. I hung out the clothes on the clothesline. I carried water to the hogs. I fed the chickens. I cleaned eggs to sell. I helped wash clothes with the ringer washer. And what I learned was to work hard and do a good job, whatever I did. And that was my mom. She was a diligent worker, whether it's the Bible translation project in Congo and typing. And she typed my MA thesis, my master's thesis at Lincoln. This is pre-computer. And you had to do different drafts of it. And she was, she was amazing. Whatever she put her hand to, she did the best she could. She was a diligent worker. Secondly, she was a sacrificial mother. Mom took, her, took care, like Mark said, of four boys. And if you count dad, that's five boys. She took care of five boys. And when I think of all the things my mom has done for me, the list is very, very long. And I was thinking the other day about just how many dirty diapers, you know, and of four boys. And I was thinking from between 1956 and 1963 BD, before disposables, um, think of all those diapers that she did. And I wrote down the hundreds of school snacks that she made, the thousands of meals she made for four very hungry boys, the hundreds of loads of laundry, and then the hundreds of messes that she cleaned up that her kids made. She was very sacrificial. Dave tells a funny story when she almost sacrificed her life. Uh, Dave was 15 and a half. He had his driver's permit. He was driving our old uh, brown van down, down the, south, the road out south of town, coming back from Martinsville one day. And he just thought he'd kind of speed up a little bit when he came to that old bridge and hit it about 45. Van left the ground, hit, the, hit three times it bounced and bottomed out. Uh, and mom was in the front seat with him just holding on. And she was quiet all the way back to Kansas. <laughs> Didn't say a word, just hold on to the seat. And then she said one thing before she got out of the van. She said, wait till your dad comes home. He's going to hear about this. He's going to hear about it. So she sacrificed a lot. I asked Steve, Steve what he wanted to say about mom today. And Steve said, these are Steve's words. He said, mom was a very good woman. He said she was a woman of faith. Steve said she was a woman of peace, and she was someone who wanted others to know Jesus. That's what Steve wants you to know. 
I use the, sac- the word sacrifice because that really does sum up her life. She always fed us boys before she would eat. She would go without nice clothes and other things so we could have basketball shoes and things for school. She was just always sacrificial. Even as an adult uh, and, and being a Bible college professor, we'd go to the National Missionary Convention, now called ICOM, and she would always buy me books. And she, and I loved, she knew I loved books and said, Michael, pick out as many books as you want, buddy. And I was like, you're kidding me. And she would do that for me. I've, I received a, a really neat comment from a friend at a church where I'm preaching right now named David Hall. And here's what he said. He texted this to me. He said, Mike, um, your mom was here when you came into the world. And now she'll be there when you come into the next world. Isn't that cool? He said, isn't that a cool to think about? She was here when you were born, and she's going to be there to receive you. I asked uh, the wives if they had something to say, and I had some, some short comments and memories. Uh, Carol remembers the night when she and Mark got engaged, and uh, they went down to tell Dad and Mom, and evidently Mom, Mom, I mean, Mom was happy, and she got up and she gave Carol this huge hug. She was so happy, and, and she, she made the comments, and I'm so glad Mark didn't marry his previous girlfriend. I'm so- <laughs> I'm so glad he married you. <laughs> and I thought that was really cool. Uh, I was talking to Julie last night, and Julie said, uh, uh, she said, you know, you hear stories about the stereotypical mothers-in-laws, you know, who are meddlers. She said, man, Janice was not that. Mom was not that. She was very, she was always supportive, always encouraging. Uh, I finally got a comment out of Dina this morning. And Dina, and there's so many memories of Mom, Dina just said, well, Mom raised four very, very strong-willed men and she just deserves a lot of praise because she just, she did. And I, I would like to, to give a, a challenge here uh, that my dad gave us boys a few years ago. He just said, call your mom, visit your mom regularly. And us boys did the best we could. And I just want to challenge everybody here, call your mom, talk to your mom. And the reason I was not panicking on Tuesday when I got the call from Dave that they were uh, taking mom to the hospital and she'd had a heart attack and I was rushed. Julie and I were rushing to the hospital at Mattoon trying to see her. We didn't make it. She passed away. But I, I just want to say I have no regrets because I remember the last thing I said to my mom. And I told her I loved her. And she told me she loved me because I would call her every week and we would talk. And those are the last words that I heard from my mom. She was also a committed wife. Everyone here knows that my mom deserves a lot of jewels in her crown for putting up with dad for 61 years. Everybody knows that, and dad is shaking his head yes, too. He knows that, too. Uh, Mom and dad's marriage, like most marriages, had lots of ups and downs, and they both could have quit on each other at lots of times, but they didn't. They stuck it out. They stayed committed and devoted to each other for over 61 years, and we want to honor both of them today for that. But I also want to say something to Dad in front of everybody. This is from our whole family. Dad, we have been watching you the last several years take care of Mom, and we're proud of you. I may have to pause every once in a while here. We, we've seen how, how you did your best to take care of Mom, and her health was going down, and her mobility was going down. And, and you did your best. And we, we all think you deserve a few stars in your crown, a few jewels in your crown, too. We think you got a few coming for that. Mom was also a courageous missionary. Mom decided to go to Africa when she was in her 40s. 
And just like Mark, I will never forget that phone call. I was a sophomore at Lincoln. I get this phone call from my dad. He's in California at the National Missionary Convention. Said, hey, guess what? We're going to, to Congo, to Zaire, which was the name at that time. And I got mad at Dad, to be honest. I said, Dad, you cannot drag Mom to Congo. What are you doing? He said, no, 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 she wants to go. I said, put her on the phone. <laughs> and and I, I was mad. And I said, Mom, what's Dad doing? He said, no, I, I want to go too. We, we both feel called to go to Africa. Guys, there's not a lot of people lining up that sign up to go to Africa. This, this little farm girl from Illinois, she did it in her 40s. And I'm so blessed because of that. I am, I am one of the ripple effects of that decision because she made that decision with dad. I went to Congo in my, between my junior and senior year of college, did an internship, came back as a missionary. Now I'm a missions professor. I actually don't know that any of that would have happened if she wouldn't have made that decision with dad. She had never been on an airplane before. She had never been out of the United States before. She went. She was very, very courageous. And I believe she understood what was at stake in missions. And I want to read a couple quotes from her letter to Sammy that we found. Once again, this is to Sammy in high school. And she said, everything you learn, Sammy, can be of use later on. Besides the jobs that Grandpa did when he was a boy, helping his mom and dad, he actually had 10 different jobs before he became a preacher and then a missionary. He wanted to be a missionary but wasn't able to when he, uh, when he was a teenager is when he decided, but he had to wait. He became one finally when he went to the Congo when he was 42 years old. And now he is busier than ever than he ever was before. Many people at his age now would retire and think they have done all they need to do. But if Grandpa had retired, there would, there would, excuse me, if he had retired, there would be thousands of people in Nigeria and the United States that wouldn't have learned about the Bible or how to study it. My mom got it. She got the mission impetus, the mission goal. She understood it. And then last night, Sarah found a treasure. It's a postcard. I'm so glad Sarah found this, and I wish you could see it. It's a picture of a guy on a bicycle by a mountain. And uh, you can tell he's got a lot of packs on his bike. He's traveling. And uh, it's from a guy named Kevin Hickey. I don't know if Kevin Hickey's still alive. He's from New York. But he was riding his bicycle through Africa. And on the card, it says 50,000 kilometers and 40 countries. And it's signed April 1978 when mom and dad were in Bukavu, Congo. And here's the postcard he sent to my mom and dad. He said, Dear Ed and Janice, he sent this in June of 1982. He said, Every once in a while, I come into a home that is truly overwhelming in its love and generosity. Yours has been such a home, and I am truly humbled by my visit. My time with you will not only be a time that I will never forget, but also a time that will surely influence the rest of my life. You have helped me with my trip, but more importantly, you have helped me to understand the meaning of life. Thank you, and love to both. Kevin Hickey. I asked Dad about this, and he doesn't remember that, which just goes to show 
I don't know how many people my mom and dad have touched in their life, and we won't know until eternity. But I do know that my mom was a very, very courageous missionary. She was also a very generous grandmother. I asked all the grandkids if they had a comment or a memory. I'm going to give them really quickly. I'll start with Jason and Chelsea. They couldn't be here with us today. They're in Hawaii. They sent beautiful flowers here. And if you read the card there, Jason made this comment. He said, we celebrate with you the noble and beautiful life that Grandma lived. Jason later in a text to me said, Dad, I remember her as a loving constant in all of our lives. She was always present. She was always supportive. Thomas said she genuinely cared about you. She genuinely cared about you. Michelle remembers Grandma making tang juice and calling it Grandma's juice. Michelle also remembers Grandma letting her play on her electric typewriter, using tons of paper, just making random letters. Cassandra has a really cool memory. Just last week, Mom was in bed, and she didn't want to get out of bed very much. And she brought Lydia over, her great-granddaughter, and Lydia walked around the edge of the bed while Mom was in bed, and Mom would pat her hand and would smile. Josiah remembers Grandma sitting in her chair reading her Bible with a magnifying glass, he remembers her doing all these things for him. Uh, he remembers that Grandma would record any TV show that he wanted, and he especially remembers her recording Scooby-Doo, and he loved that. And he said he, she was always there for my football games, my graduations, and my wedding. It's funny the things kids remember. Sarah remembers eating Neapolitan ice cream and watching cartoons in the kitchen. And she said, my kiddos still enjoy all the VHS tapes that she made. And Sarah and all the grandkids mentioned this, by the way, and the kids. His mom was always making these homemade birthday cards. She would cut out little things, and she'd make them for people. And, all, and Sarah just says she's kept them, and she will treasure them forever. Jeremiah said whenever he stopped like from his mowing business or whenever Jeremiah came home, he said he loved to stop in, and Grandma would always update him on everybody in the family. So Jeremiah just said, man, Grandma, what's going on? She's just going to tell him about what's going on with everybody. Chad remembers a lot of memories from the babysitting time when he was small. He especially remembered, I said, he remembered anything specific. He said he remembered uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. It was a TV show that Chad wanted to watch and mom didn't want to watch, but she would watch it with him because she knew Chad wanted to watch Texas Ranger. Ilana mentioned all the homemade cards and all the wise words that were in them, something she said she will hold on to forever. Sammy mentioned the cards as well, but she also mentioned the clippings. Grandma would do clippings and for Sammy they would always include horses and something about horses. She always tailor-made everything she did for that person. Amy talked about a famous poem that has actually traveled with her everywhere. She's called The Final Analysis. I'm not going to read the poem, but it's an amazing poem. It's full of wisdom and, and Amy said she posted in every every place, every house, every apartment she's ever been and just gotten her through lots of difficult situations. You know, mom has never been good at smiling. And the kids tease about that all the time in the grandkids. And in the slideshow, Michelle worked really hard. She found some where mom's actually smiling. But that's kind of hard to find one where she was smiling. And, uh, but I remember uh, Christmas and Dean, Dave and Dina's house over in Westfield about eight years ago. And we'd opened up all the presents. And uh, we had one final present, and it was from Jake and Sarah. 
and they had a little bag, and I remember mom pulling it out, and she looking at what this, and, and, and it was a sonogram of her first great-granddaughter, Gwen. And I think all of us will remember the huge smile that mom got on her face. She loved her grandkids, but I tell you what, she loved her great-grandkids, too. They were, uh, they were the most recent light of her life, Gwen and Everett and Lydia. And it's really neat that mom's name is going to continue on, too. Uh, her firstborn son is David Everett. I don't know if you knew that, but mom's maiden name is Everett. And uh, her grandson is Everett Jacob. Her, great, her great-grandson is Everett Jacob, who also carries her original maiden name. My mom was also a lifelong learner. Even when she had eye problems and cataracts, she would be there in her chair with her magnifying glass reading and clipping. I want to read another quote from Sammy's letter. She says, Sammy, when you've had a bad day and you're depressed, read something positive like the Bible. These are mom's words. Someone said, he decides when he gets up to make it a good day. We all have that choice. Wow, wisdom. Try some of these ideas, Sammy, and see if your attitude changes about school and about your life. Keep this letter, and I know she will, keep this letter and read it again when you're older and you may see something you didn't understand before. And then she made this comment. She said, we can continue to learn for as long as we live. And mom was a learner to her dying day. She was always learning. And then the last thing I want to say is actually the most important. My mom was a faithful Christian. She was a diligent worker and a sacrificial mom and a committed wife and a courageous missionary and a generous grandma and a lifelong learner, but the thing I want to say the most is she was a faithful Christian. So much of life is caught and it's not taught. Our kids are watching us and they can tell what's real and what's fake. My mom wasn't perfect, but I could tell that her faith was real. It was real. She took us four boys to church every Sunday. We prayed for every meal. We prayed at bedtime. I saw my mom pray. I saw the way she handled everyday problems and occurrences and pressures and crisis. My mom's faith was real. When mom even couldn't go to church later in life, she would watch all the TV preachers and she would tell me what the preacher said when we talked on the phone. And she was a prayer warrior. She would pray for me and I'd tell her things that I wanted to pray for. And the next week she'd ask me, how's that going? I've been praying for you about that. I think my mom understood the purpose of life. And I'm going to read one more quote in her words. She says, it's good to do many different things to find out what you're good at and what you enjoy. And then she said, but many people don't know that we are here on the earth to honor and glorify God. We may forget that sometimes and only want what we want. I heard someone say, that life is like connecting a dot, connecting a dot-to-dot picture. And until they are all connected, we don't know what the picture is. Well, mom's picture is now completed. It's a beautiful picture. It's a picture of a faithful Christian. It's beautiful because it honors, it honors God. Sarah said in one of her comments, said that mom fueled our family with her faith. And she always remembers on Christmas when we had presents at mom and dad's house, we'd always read the Christmas story before we opened our presents. Mom raised four sons who know the Lord Jesus 
as their Lord. Dave, Steve, Mark, and I, and our kids and our grandkids all know Jesus. And we are eternally grateful to this woman for the faith that she has passed on. I was driving here yesterday with Julie, and we went by a church, and I saw a little sign on the church, and I had Julie write it down while I was driving. It's one that Mom would have loved. It says, heaven is no trick, and hell is no treat. Isn't that good? Heaven is no trick, and hell is no treat. My mom loved her Lord, and she would want you to love him as well. And I think maybe most of the people in this room are Christians or believers. But if you're not, please talk to somebody today. Because that would just make my mom so happy. I got a quote from one of my dear friends. Chris is actually here. She just came in. And I want to read it. It's from Francis Chan. I love it. I want to close with this. Francis Chan says, In Christ, we are not living people moving toward death. We are dying people moving toward life. We are indeed grieving the loss of my mother. We miss her tons. But there is one truth that is giving our whole family hope and comfort, and that is that my mom is more alive right now than she has ever been. And we believe that. We believe that. Praise God for the resurrection. Praise God for heaven. Thank you. Once, Ed would come by and uh, throw an envelope at me or on my desk, say, here. And uh, when I had a few moments, I would open it up and there'd be cartoons and, and articles and, and jokes and different clippings from different sources and then little notes about why she thought this might be something I wanted to read. And I would open the envelope, put my feet up on my desk and just go through every, every bit of it, enjoy every bit of it. Janice did some remarkable things in her life. She served as a preacher's wife. I'm told that is a difficult job. She, uh, she was a missionary, worked with the American Indian uh, Christian mission as well, African Christian mission. She helped translate the Old Testament into Swahili, raised four or I guess five very energetic and individually interesting uh, men. But I will always remember her as a great encourager. The Apostle Paul was an encourager. I know he was an encourager. He wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Encourage one another and build one another up as indeed you already are doing. But this morning, I just want to share a few words of, of his encouragement to Timothy. Um, I specifically want to share it to you grandkids. Uh, you can share it with the great-grandkids eventually. Um, I want to share from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul begins in verse 3, he says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. And I remember your tears, and I long to see you, uh, that, I, uh, that I might be filled. <laughs> I long to see you, uh, that I might be filled with joy. And I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm, I'm sure dwells in you as well. And so for this reason, I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, that God gave us, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. What I love about that passage is that Timothy was a third-generation believer. It was a third-generation faith. Not just about Timothy, but it's about his 
mother. It's about his, his, his godly grandmother. They raised him to know the Lord and to, to serve the Lord and to bless others. And in many ways, Paul's encouragement that he wanted to pass on to Timothy is what I want you to know. And it's, and it's what you received from your parents and from your grandmother Janice. And what he saw, what Paul saw in Timothy and, and encouraged in Timothy is what I also see in you. You've been blessed with a heritage of faith. Paul comments on the faith that Timothy inherited. What Paul saw in, in, in Timothy's home life was the influence that these women had upon him. And it wasn't just faith. In verse 5, he says it is sincere faith, literally unhypocritical faith. Paul defines Timothy's faith by what it's not. He defines Lois and Eunice's faith by what it wasn't. It wasn't fake. It wasn't a put-on. It wasn't a show. What you saw was what you got, and that's what you saw in Janice Nichols. Uh, and in that respect, you know, that was enough. Didn't have to be big. Didn't have to be showy. It just had to be real. But because it was real, that made her impact all the greater. Greater on, on your lives, greater on the lives of others. I am among those countless kids that got to sit through VBS classes while Janice taught us Swahili words and, and uh, taught us about about African culture, and more than that, taught us about the love of Jesus. Not just the love that, that Jesus has for us, but what that love might inspire us to do and how far we might go because of the love of Jesus. You've been blessed with a heritage of faith. You have a gift that's worth sharing. Second Timothy, obviously, is not about Lois or Eunice. It's about Timothy. It's Paul's offering a words of encouragement and instruction for his young friends. And, and really, ultimately, he's offering a few final words before his own death as he feels himself being poured out like a drink offering as he writes. Uh, but he begins with these two ladies, and, and that's where Timothy began. Timothy is who he is because of their influence. Paul says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith which dwelt first in your grandmother Lonus and your mother Eunice. That little phrase, I am reminded, it's a very specific phrase and i mention this because there are a lot of bible nerds present today <laughs> that's what we call them uh, the phrase specifically means that the, the act of memory has been prompted by something outside of you uh, I, I i've seen something that's made me think of you and ultimately paul says i've seen something that's made me think of your grandmother and, and of your mother and, and i think maybe what he's saying is i've seen in you Something I first saw in, in her. We have a phrase. We say, you're the spitting image of your grandmother. That never sounded like a great phrase. Spitting image? Uh, it's, it's a colloquialism. It's, it's come through Appalachia. Uh, and it originally said, the original phrase was, you are the spirit and image of your grandmother. You might have her eyes, or you might have her nose, or you might have that chin. But beyond that, the way that you carry yourself. You carry yourself with the, the confidence that she had. You carry her, yourself with the faith that she had. And that's where Paul launches into his greatest encouragement. He says, for this reason, because of what I see in you and what I originally saw in your mother and in, and in your grandmother, he, got, he launches into his greatest encouragement. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. That gift is not salvation. That gift is not just the forgiveness that Timothy knew. It was the gift of service given to Timothy. Paul is calling him to now give himself to that gift. The, the big things that your grandmother did, the little things that you saw in her, let them inspire you. Let them fan into flames your gifts 
the way that you serve, the way you give yourselves, the way you encourage others. You have the promise of the Spirit who strengthens you. And then Paul challenges Timothy, as I know your grandmother would want to challenge you. He says in verse 7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. I think a lot of people, when they saw Janice, they saw timidity. I think if you just saw her and didn't know her, you, you probably saw timidity from the way she carried herself, the way she had that look. But I would ask, does a, does a timid woman leave the only life she's ever known and move to Africa? Does a, does a timid woman work among the, the Native American mission? Does, does a timid woman put up with these men? I think not. <laughs> this morning I asked Ed to share a story with me one more time, a story that he's told me before. I wanted to hear it again. I wanted to make sure I'd heard it right. Ed was telling me about when he and Janice were at that, at that missionary convention in California and went up to the 24th floor, he said, found a little room where they could get together and just talk. Ed just wanted to talk. And they sat down together, and Janice said, let's tell the Lord we'll do whatever He wants us to do. Janice said that. Let's tell the Lord we'll do whatever He wants us to do, even if that means going overseas. And Ed said, well, let's tell Him fast before we change our minds. (laughs) Power. Love. Self-control. You know, I never suspected I was special when I received those envelopes, but I never knew how unspecial I was until this week. I was, I was sharing with the guys about the envelopes and how much they mentioned, and Dave spoke up like only Dave can. He said, oh, it's nothing. He says, we all got those. <laughs> we never had a store-bought birthday card. They were all made by her, and she would tape things together and, and give us those cards. And then David Upchurch, I told him the story, and David said, that's nothing. He said, ACM board meetings, Janice would be over in the corner sitting there with her paper and her her pens and her her tape and her scissors, and she would cut out little cartoons or little encouragements and tape them onto candies. I never got candy. Uh, She'd tape them onto candies and give them to to the board members. But my favorite story came from my friend Bob Motley sitting back here. Bob and I meet together every Thursday morning, most every Thursday morning. We meet for prayer and just to to encourage each other. And I hadn't shared with Bob the story about the envelopes yet. And he spoke up and he said, you know what I always remember about Janice? He said, after my mom died, a few weeks later, I, I got an envelope and I started laughing. Yeah, tell me about your envelope. He said it was full of, of all kinds of articles and little clippings and encouragement about what it meant to, to lose a parent and, and how you dealt with that kind of, of grief, how you make it through something like that. And I, and I wonder how many people, how many more people receive those gifts. But I, I also wonder who will receive that gift next. Who's going to, to find a way to encourage others the way that Janice encouraged or put your own spin on that kind of encouragement who will help another to, to fan to flames the, the gifts that you've been given? You know, more than an envelope, more than her encouragement, Mike hit on it perfectly. Janice would want you to know her Savior. 
That without Jesus, nothing that we do has, has any meaning. And so I want to close by finishing with Paul's thoughts. Paul goes on in verse 8 and he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed about our Lord, the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel, for which I, have, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Janice would want you to know the Gospel. She would want you to know the good news of Jesus Christ, that while your own sin has brought death, God has promised life, life never-ending through His Son, Jesus Christ. That no matter where you find yourself today, Jesus Christ is your hope. And that hope will never disappoint. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. I, I don't know the ways that, that you've failed or disappointed yourself or, or others. All I know is what Janice knew. All I know is what Paul knew. I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. To follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Janus. We thank You for a life that was lived unashamedly in confidence in Your Son. We thank You for the lives that have been touched by her around the world and today right here, the lives that have been touched right here in this room. There is a legacy of faith here today simply because when opportunities arose, two people said yes to Jesus. And I pray we can all learn from that example and fan into flames the gifts we've been given so that we might serve You with all our lives. Father, we, we look ahead to the lives that we can touch and the people we can encourage as we follow and build upon what we saw in her. But mostly, we look ahead to the day when faith has become sight and we are united with each other and your son as your family. And until that day, guard what we have been given as we give ourselves to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.